So come, whether you have much faith or little, have tried to follow or are afraid you've failed. Come because it is his will that those who want to meet him might meet him here. Welcome to From the Narthex, a podcast about faith, life, and Anglicanism. This is your host, and today on the pod, uh, this is your host, Ryan, and today on the pod, uh, we have a special guest with us. He wears many hats, uh, the Reverend Vince Solomon. He is the Indigenous Ministry Developer for the Diocese. He is the Missioner at Epiphany Indigenous Church, and he is the priest in charge at St. Philip's Scanterbury. So welcome to the podcast, Vincent. Vincent. Thank you. That sounded exhausting when you read all of that. So. <laughs> well, you know, between like the church and the academy, we just love to kind of like pour on extra titles to ourselves, eh? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> M-A, M-D, or M or whatever, yes. Yeah, let's um, just add extra letters and symbols. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's yes. great. Well, that's good. Well, you know where we'll all end up, right? At the back of the line in the kingdom of heaven? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, very good. Well, Vince, uh, we've had you on today because, like we ask all of our guests, we want to know, what does faith mean to you? Okay. Um, well, well, the first thing that comes to mind, of course, is is the scripture from Hebrews, right? Uh, Hebrews 11, verse 1. Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. So I had to think through through that stuff. And uh, but but yeah, so that comes to mind. But more specifically, I think it it has to do with my belief in one particular, um, perhaps, um, if I can say person, and and which is Jesus Christ. So um, for you, primarily, it is a belief, but it has kind of a relational aspect to it. That very right? much, yes, <clears throat> yes, very much so. And 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 I think it all. It, I mean, it all. This all started um, a long time ago in northern Manitoba, which is where I come from. I'm I'm uh, Cree, and I'm uh, First Nation from the uh, Norhouse Cree Nation, and um, so I was raised there, and I was raised an Anglican. Um, went to church a lot. Um, Sometimes went with my with my grandfather. Sometimes I went with my mom, or I just went by myself. Um, and and it it really um, started there. And I and I think it, the whole relational aspect is because that is what I saw. Right. This is what oh, I saw yeah. people doing. So faith is much more than believing in something for me. Faith is having. Uh, a relationship, or uh, in our case, in this case, faith is more than believing in God or that God exists, and because right. uh, that really doesn't do anything for you as an individual. Sometimes, right? Just that whole uh, believing in God doesn't really mean anything. Right. Uh, well, even the, even the demons believe that there is a God. So, yeah. <laughs> right. but if, but if you have a relationship with this God, then then um, and and if he and if this God has a name, and for me that name is is Christ, who came, you know, to a particular people to a particular time. But that doesn't mean that it ended when he died and rose again and went back to heaven. It it means that God in Christ still continues to break through in human history and individual human history as well right as well as in um communities and um the whole world as well so 
So that, that's that's really interesting. You you pick up on kind of these two dynamics of our encounter with Jesus. There's the, like this historical reality, the particularity of Jesus's kind of coming to first century Israel, Palestine, um, uh, and that whole kind of thing. But also you kind of pick up on this perhaps like existential, like we encountered Jesus. So um, this encounter, was this something that you ran into quite young at the church? Like, did you have an experience of this encounter or was it more you saw this in, in others and kind of grew into it? Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I really saw um, in how pe the people who really believed in in uh, in Jesus, really you could sh see them through the relationship that they had, right, with God. And and because of that, it, it, it went far beyond that into other relationships in the way in the way that they interacted with others um, as well as in in um, in how they lived um, was very much for me a um, um, a testimony i suppose of what god can do in your life and what mm -hmm. god had done in these people's lives so so growing up i saw that but i i don't particularly recall a specific time in my young life, that is when I was a child, where I did not know God. But I right, didn't, right. don't recall a time when, um, when, when there was a time when I specifically said, Jesus, come into my life, right? And, until um, when I was about 17 years, old, 17 years old. And because I had read in scripture that he who does not have the son does not have the life and he who does have the son does have the life. And I'm going, okay, well, let's make sure that I do have the, have the son here. <laughs> Even right. though I think I knew I did. Right. Yeah. But, yeah. but, but I had to, and, and I was, so I said, okay, Lord, you know, if you're not the Lord of my life, then please come and be the Lord of my life. And, and so there, there it was. And so, um, I don't think really anything magical happened. Um, at least I don't believe so. It was just more of a continuation of, of, of what I think had been going on before, right? There was this relationship and, and this longing to be close to, to God and to the Lord. Um, um, that was even, I think from that moment, even more um, pronounced and um, um, something that I really wanted uh, to continue. Yes. So we are talking about your, your kind of, if you will, kind of a, a rededication of your life or a checking in at 17. Right. Um, can you tell us a bit more about what growing up in Norway house was like? So was it, I, I haven't spent much time up North. Uh, the farthest I've been is Thompson. Um, right. but I understand certain communities, um, are very religious um, and and will often be all one kind of denomination. Was that the case in in Norway House, or kind no. of paint us a picture of of yeah. Norway House and the kind of the religious makeup and where you fit into it there? Yeah, yeah, no. Um, Norway House was, is is a very huge community, so it, it geographically it's large, and and so I would say that it probably goes from um, let's see what would be from Saint Norbert all the way to downtown Winnipeg. That's how okay. That, yeah. uh, how big it is, I suppose. Now it's gone; it's grown bigger than that, and so um, and it composes of uh, four islands that are interconnected, and these islands are are huge islands. And um, in 
the main community, which is Rossville, which is where it's, it's the northernmost part of Norway House, Rossville is its name. And, um, and, and that's where a lot, the majority of people live. But within that community are the United Church people. So people who belong to the United Church, um, the reason being <clears throat> is because um, uh, the United Church was the first Methodist missionary mission that, that was up there, right? So okay. uh, people tended to congregate in that area, even though there were people already living in that area. Um, so people just decided to just live closer to the church or the church moved to where the people were. As yeah, opposed. so the Methodists set up a, a mission That's right. point there, yeah. <clears throat> Yeah, and so if you go further south, um, you will find the um, right in the middle, probably of of the community, you will find the um, Roman Catholic Church. They also had a, a united uh, a residential school there, and um, so within that area, um, there's more Roman Catholic people, or at right. least when I was growing up, there was more Roman Catholic people than than anywhere else within the community. If you go even further south of that to another island called Mission Island, which is where I grew up, and there everyone was Anglican, and right. except for the odd, well, not the odd, but some <laughs> some United Church people, not <laughs> people, but you know what I mean. We some, we love them too. We love them too. <laughs> that's right. So um, yeah. Um, but there was also another island, which was right across from Mission Island, which is also uh, a United Church. There was a United Church in there, uh, the Southern. There were two United Churches. So okay, and was was that one Presbyterian originally, or was it Methodist as well? Yeah, it was Methodist as well. Okay. Yeah, and so so that's that's where I grew up in. Now the northernmost part of the community was the probably the most Christian, um, if you want to call it that or at least um, more colonized, I suppose, when it came to uh, religion and Christi uh, when Christianity had more of a, um, a stronghold, I suppose. The further south you went, which is where I lived in, 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 um, in Norway House, it, it became more and more um, pagan, I think is what some of the people used at the time. Right. Uh, that was where the pagan people lived, uh, okay. according to one historical document. So more and, kind of traditional um, ways. That's there. right. Yes, yes. Yeah. And uh, my grandfather was a um, uh, United Church uh, who came from Cross Lake and uh, went to the residential school in Rossville. And then um, what we would like to say now, he aged out of um, the residential school at a certain um, time in his life. And I believe he was 16, 17 years old. But he had been at the residential school from the time he was four years old. And then um, came down there. And then when he left, my, met my grandmother and he never left. Hmm. So because of that, he moved as far away from the res residential school as, as possible, which was Mission Island. Right. And because um, um, the only way to get down to Mission Island would, would, was by boat, and it took half an hour to get from one end to the other end. Right. So, um, um, 
so he um, um, moved there, and um, and and he was he was like a, a you know for most of the residential school survivors, his experience was not all that great. Of course, um, he experienced a lot of pain, um, uh, racism, um, uh, because of him of him being um, a um, native. And then he, um, and then he became an Anglican as well. Okay. And and had your grandmother been Anglican then? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so what happened with, with my grandfather was that there was a time in his life, and this was um, I think a few years into when I was born. Um, he had to finally figure out and decide whether or not what he built, what the priests or the ministers have told him about this God, whether or not that was true, right? I mean, yeah. regardless of whether or not they, they really believe they lived what they preached, you know, which in this case they didn't. And, and, right. and so, but he had to figure that out whether or not what they were saying was true. And so I guess he came up with, with the answer to his question, which was, yes, it is true. But at the same time, he was still learning and, and working through, um, he was relearning actually his, his culture, his ceremonies, um, as well as his language. And, and so there was, a, for him, there was this amazing blend between being a Christian and being an indigenous person at the same time, right? And, and yeah. so I grew up with him and, and him, teaching me about Jesus and how teachers had, had come to fulfill our ceremonies. Right. And oh, cool. it's like what the, what, what Jesus says in the old Testament, I did not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. Right. And, and very much like that. And, and so it, it was, it was very wonderful for me because I was discipled by, by a man who, who knew uh, God. And, but at the same time, uh, knew who he was or who he is as an indigenous person and as 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 a person created by God. So so that's how I grew up within that community and within well, that place uh, called Mission Island. And so um, yeah. there was a lot of other people in my uh, situation who had the same kind of experiences with their grandparents, and um, um, and they grew up in the church as I did. Um, not quite sure whether or not a lot of them remained in the church. I haven't been back there to see how many have stayed, but um, um, but it's been it was, yeah, it 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 was um a time when you just um listened to your elders and and what they had to teach you, you know, and um and and the whole combination between. Scripture and traditional teachings for me was just, I think, was a real good foundation to have. Yeah, that's really interesting because um, now is that, would you say, is that a common experience in your community that that, that uh, synthesizing work had been done? Or was that kind of like a fairly unique thing? Um, I, I think that was a unique thing, uh, at least as far as the southern part of, of the reserve goes. Um, like I was saying before, um, the northern part, Rossville, was um, very much the Christian indigenous community, 
It was right. one of the first indigenous Christian communities that uh, formed in in Western Canada, and um, um, so their teaching, of course, was was much more. You have to give up being native, and you have to be sedentary, and you know you have to stay in the community and right. learn from the priest, right? And I would success, suspect, though, that a lot of the elders would not necessarily have followed what the right. church. It's like, that, oh, that's a nice that preacher, way. but we'll do our thing over here. Yeah, but we, you yeah. Just, we just won't tell you about it, right? right. right. We, yeah. You won't know about it kind of thing. And um, But I think in that case, um, um, by... In all outward appearances, I think everyone looked like a Christian. But I yeah. think that when they left the church, they didn't necessarily behave. Do you know, I, I'm not quite sure if I'm trying to explain this properly. Not that they um, became opposite of Christian values. It's just that. Well, um, I wonder, I, like, I'll, I'll, I'll share a, a story uh, from that I've read about. And let's see if that um matches what you're trying to say. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that, so I was reading Cotton Mather, who is a, an early Puritan, um, and he wrote this like grand history of, of the Americas, right? And, uh, but he talks about kind of the, these initial interactions between the Puritans and uh, the Pequot and uh, other kind of indigenous nations there. It, like it largely wasn't great, um, but, one of the things that you kind of can kind of see under his kind of braggadocious like oh yes we just converted them and we kind of outdid their miracles and uh fought off their shamans and this and that um but but kind of underneath that you kind of get the sense that occasionally they would show up like uh, indigenous people would show up to church and they'd be very happy to do that and be like oh this is interesting this is good right and then they would kind of go home and carry on their own ways. And this was very frustrating to the missionaries. Yes, thank right? you. That's exactly what I was thinking. Because yeah. they, they felt like, mm, what are you doing? Like, you're not getting this right. But it was kind of like, they show up, they'd be polite. They'd be like, yes, this is very good. I believe this, uh, that's that's fine. And then they would go home and still do ceremony. And it, mm -hmm. it drove Cotton Mather mad, right? And a lot of these yeah. other early writers. Yeah, yeah. no, and uh, yeah, absolutely. That's, that, that's where I was wanting to go. Um, because they would go home and do their you know, you know, drums and singing the, the traditional songs and um, um, and the beliefs. But but really, though, um, the, the elders would say to you, um, you know, the, at least the ones that I grew up with would say to you, these are the same things that are written down in scripture. Right. Oh, yeah. And yeah. and so why wouldn't we go home and do the same thing with the use of a different kind of musical instrument or a different way of doing things, uh, you know, instead of using uh, what the Catholics may have used in terms of their um, incense, why don't, why, what, you know, what was wrong with using sage or, or sweet grass or, or, or other ways of, you know, raising those and um, those prayers up as well as purification rituals, right? Yeah. And, and so they those they would do, but they wouldn't go back to the priest and say, "Okay, you know, we do this, right?" Yeah. I don't think that that was something that they would tell them necessarily. But but don't forget as well, this is during the time when, if you practice your own traditions and you and your own um, ceremonies, you you went to jail. 
Okay. Right? Yeah. And this was something that was forbidden right. uh, within indigenous communities. And so a lot of people wouldn't even, I think that's part of the reason why they wouldn't even tell the religious authorities of, of their own way of, of praying, their own way of talking with God. So. Right. So, so not only was it kind of like not welcome from the, the religious uh, kind of authorities, the priests and that, but it, there was like a kind of a serious threat that if you tried to have the conversation of what might this look like, that it would just, you could go to jail or, or be punished in some way. I, I, yes, I, I believe that that, that that's was the case. And the other thing too, the Indian agent lived in Rossville. So there was a lot more control in that area than there would have been where I was growing up. Right. The Indian agent would have had to come down. It would take about half a day to get there by boat to paddle down and then go to go back home again would have been something that would have been, you know, so things were done um, in Norrie House that were more open rather than hidden. Right. I would say because we did have uh, when I was growing up, I remember having uh, healers and faith healers, um, both who were Christian and traditional at the same time. And, um, um, you know, and nobody ever said anything about that this was wrong or, or, right. or whatever, right? It was just a part of growing up. And, and so I think those of us who grew up south of Rossville and even south of where the Roman Catholic Church was got to see this more than and more openly than, than the other parts of the community did. Right. That's, that's all really interesting. It, it's, it's striking to me. I know um, one of the things when you, if you read, you know, the, the TRC reports and stuff, it, it talks about this dynamic of Methodist, Anglican, Roman Catholic, all setting up mission stations, all setting up schools, kind of trying to compete with each other. Right. And yeah. uh, you know, the way you've kind of laid out the geography of your, of your home, just like really kind of perfectly encapsulates something that was happening all across Canada uh, yeah. in some ways. Right. Yeah, very much so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, that's great. Now, so at 17, you kind of make this, I don't know, rededication, if you will. Uh, and then at what point did you come down to Winnipeg? Uh, and kind of what, like, what brought you here? Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. Well, I was, I was 10 years old. So, okay. <laughs> it's a big, long story, but I'll try and, and, and focus it a little bit more so that it's not quite as long. Um, when I was 10 years old, I was sitting in the back of the church and with my, with my mom. And I was very, being very nice as, as, you know, as kids did back then, um, you know, um, try not to get my mom mad at me if I was, you know, stirring around or whatever. Right. But I remember at a certain point in that church service, looking up at, at the preacher preaching and looking up and looking at him and a voice somehow, not, not an audible voice, but a, a, a knowing voice, I suppose. This is this bit is really hard to describe, but, but I think Christians know exactly what I'm talking about, right? This is an inner knowing that God is speaking. Mm -hmm. and, 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 I, and I really felt and heard God saying that one of these days you're going to be doing that, right? Oh, cool. So, I mean, I kind of went, oh, um, and then, but I didn't really, I mean, 10 years old, who can understand something like that, right? Right. And so I kind of thought, oh, okay. Um, but but that, it, that never left. That whole impression of that man up there preaching 
and me doing that never went away. And, and so throughout my whole life, growing up as an adolescent, and then as, uh, as a teenager, um, I knew that this is what I was supposed to do, right? right. And, and so from that moment on, when I was 10, I knew what I was supposed to be and where I was supposed to be going. And, and so um, when I was in high school, I talked to my career um, um, counselor and I said, well, this is what I want to do. So, um, so when I graduated, I came down to Winnipeg to St. John's College and, um, and, um, and I've been here since. So did you then study theology at St. John's College? Uh, no, at the time you had to get a Bachelor of Arts first. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I worked on my Bachelor of Arts, and then after that was done, then I went into the um, into uh, the theology program that they had at the time. Okay. Um, this and was nineteen. Uh, I first moved here in nineteen eighty six, and then I finished my my, and then I went back to theology in nineteen ninety. Okay. So was that you did like a Bachelor of Theology after or? Or no, like it was an MDiv. Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. Well, because I think so. I think the MDiv kind of grows out of an earlier time when the expectation was you did a Bachelor of Arts, then you would do a Bachelor of Theology, and then at some point priests said, "Wait a minute, we want a master's degree instead," and so they just kind of upgraded the Bachelor of Theology a little bit. I think yes, I think that's what happened. Yeah. Okay, so you did your MDiv at St. John's College as well. Yes, but I didn't yeah. get an MDiv. I was three courses short. Uh, of the masters. So at the time, you really had to have, first of all, the, um, you had to have the two languages. Oh, yeah. You had to have the Greek, <laughs> right? Yeah. You had to have the Hebrew. Yeah. And um, in my case, um, I didn't have one more course, uh, an Anglicanism course. Oh, okay. So of those three courses, I didn't have. So, um, in order, but in order for, and I, I tried to get them, but I, I failed miserably. On, on they're, the they're so hard. I, I, oh. I got a D my first time through Hebrew. I had to retake it. Yeah. And, and so, yeah, which put down my, my GPA was really in the pits after, after that. Right. Yeah. So finally, um, after a lot of discernment, I, I, I said, okay, what, 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 how would I graduate without these things, right? And they said, well, um, uh, a testamer probably would do it. So um, so that's what I have is a testamer. Oh, what? I'm not familiar with that term. What is that? I think it's kind of like a Bachelor of Theology. Oh, okay. Or kind of like a, like an, might be kind of equivalent to like an MA Christian Studies some schools yeah, have some, today or something like that? I think so. Something like that. Um, okay. But at the time, it, it involved quite a lot, a big process, actually. At the time, there were a lot of us who had um, uh, testamers when we graduated. Oh, interesting. Yeah, and a lot okay. of the priests who, who had that here in this diocese have all um, retired. Most of them are retired okay. already. And um, but But yeah, so... I keep telling St. John's College to give me an MDiv degree and, yeah, and that's just, right. you know, put something else in there that, that I've earned over the years rather than the language courses, right? Yeah. Well, if, if anybody from St. John's College is listening, uh, give Vincent an, an MDiv. He's earned it. <laughs> or, or how about we just give him a, go all the way. We'll give him an honorary doctorate. There you go. Okay. 
<laughs> just some more letters more letters behind the name yeah right? no kidding yeah. <laughs> no no i but but i'm thinking you know that yeah because i've done so many courses over the years that i think there would be something that's equivalent to another anglicanism course which i've done throughout my whole life anyway right oh and, yeah and like to be and honest language like courses the... i mean who needs them in now you, you can <laughs> you mean you can just go into a lectionary and just check it out right yeah like i that's like i i took i took two semesters of hebrew three semesters of greek uh, and I'm, now I'm doing a PhD. Like I, I'm never going to use those languages again. Like I, I can kind of navigate commentaries and stuff, but the reality is, like we make everybody. I think it's a good discipline if you can do it to get through it. Yeah. But like I, as a prereq for ministry, mm, I don't know. It's but that's a that's a topic for another time. <laughs> so well, so I when you have the, I do have the Greek New Testament, right? So I just look at the at the at the passages in there, and then I go through the Greek um, dictionary or the Greek lexicon. Oh yeah, 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 that can work. If I really need to know exactly what this piece of scripture is talking about, right? Right. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, so yeah. when you move down to Winnipeg, yeah. I know um, you've shared with me before that that was like a quite a huge culture shock. Um, do you want to share a bit about that with us? Well, it, it was, yeah, well, it, it was a horrible time, um, actually. Um, you see, when I was growing up in Norrie House, um, I, I always knew that I was an Indigenous person. I always knew that I was Native, and specifically Cree. Um, but when I moved down to, and, and that really wasn't ever a, um, an issue with me, um, until I moved down to Winnipeg, when I found out that really it is an issue right i'm going really my brown skin is an issue mm. and and um so um so there was a lot of prejudice at the time 1986 at the university of manitoba there weren't that many indigenous students there when i was with the indigenous student association at that time there were about 25 of us now there's oh, wow. uh, you know now there's yeah. over a thousand indigenous people registered in that place right oh that's great yeah, yeah. And um, but at that time, and and so there was there was a lot of a lot of racism, a lot of uh, people believing in certain things about indigenous people, which weren't true, and uh, and and so that 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 was a bit hard to deal with, and experiencing that not only on campus but as well as um, in the rest of of Winnipeg as well was was quite hard and quite difficult, so um yeah. yeah yeah well i you know winnipeg has been has been named uh fairly recently as uh, the the most racist city in canada so mm -hmm. i imagine uh in the 80s it was even more so well in the 80s it was far more open yeah you know you can do it and you wouldn't nobody would say anything to you right you right. could make a racist, racist comment and everybody would kind of laugh and laugh along and um, nobody actually even probably thought that this was wrong. Yeah. <laughs> you know, or questioned whether whether or not these beliefs or stereotypes were even true. Right. And um, so it was just common knowledge, right? Like everybody yeah. just said these things. Yeah. Yeah. And I think over the years that has uh, gone more underground or nobody kind of says it as much as before, because now they get called out on it. Right. Right. But there is still very much. I think it's it's still there. It's just isn't quite as obvious now. Um, you know, in in many cases, it's. Um, 
it's around and it, it, it rears its ugly head occasionally. Yeah. So, so now, um, did you experience that in, like in the church, uh, here as well? And, and I guess having come from kind of this context in Norway house where quite a lot of that synthesizing work between kind of traditional, um, ceremonies and, and Anglican faith had been done, had been done by your grandfather and taught to you. Was that something that was welcome or like, how, how were you kind of received and were, were those conversations that were being had in the church here? Um, yeah. No, no, no. They, they, they weren't conversations, even within the indigenous community. If you, if you believe that, you know, that you could walk two roads, which I really don't believe either. I think they're all one road, you know? Okay. And, yeah. and um, so, um, even within the indigenous community, they, they, that wouldn't wash. It wouldn't be something that um, would be, even be talked about at that time, because there was still this whole belief system out there that was uh, put there by by uh, missionaries that um, indigenous ways of thinking and knowing and believing and spirituality was all evil, right? Yeah. And a lot yeah. of indigenous people still continue to internalize that. And, and I think that this is one of the reasons why my grandfather um, didn't want me to tell anyone certain things about about what he was teaching me, right? And and so, you know, he would say, this is for you to know. Right. So don't go, don't go around telling these things to other people. These are things that I'm teaching for you only, right? Right. And, and I think which just meant, you know, don't tell it, don't tell the priests at all. Right. Yeah. And, um, and we weren't doing anything bad. There was no dark magic or anything to it. It was it was just a cultural way of looking at things. If you look around the world, it's a specific way of seeing it. Right. And it's, yeah. it's a way of looking for God within within those places and yeah. and um, and how you can. Um, become a part of this creator and get to know this creator through through the creation and, and right. so that's what it was all about but he even but here down in winnipeg there was absolutely nothing like that at all yeah. okay uh, i don't think there was even any spirituality indigenous spirituality being practiced anywhere at least none that i could remember or even see especially at the University of Manitoba at the time. There was so there would have been no ceremony on campus or anything like no. that? Okay. No. no. Right. So, so no ceremony. When did, when did that start to change? Like when, when were you able, because you kind of stayed down here, right? You, did, you, did you ever go back to Norway House after you moved down here? I did for, for, for a, about a year. I, I told God, okay, you know, I'm never going back to that godforsaken city that you forsaw, that you forsook many, many years ago. So why am I, if you're not there, why should I be there? <laughs> uh, amen. Yeah. <laughs> I, I asked the same thing when I moved to, to Southern Manitoba too, to be honest. Yeah. You know, and I'm going, okay, well, you know, but, but God, I, I, you know, had other plans and part of, Part of what happened at that time was, you know, I got majorly broken and um, uh, there was a lot of other issues that, that were going on in my life previous to that, of course. My grandfather was not a very good father. He became a good 
he was a wonderful grandfather, but as a father, he was horrible, right? But what do you expect from someone who, who was raised by an institution, right? right? And so the way that he was raised is the way that he raised my father. And the way that my, fa that my father was raised was the way that he raised me. Right. And so there's this whole horrible um, familiar familial experience of um, not having good um, relationships within your family. And so there, you know, it was, it was not, it was not a good place to be. And, and that continued on um, um, for, for quite a while, but um, and, until when my son was born, right? And I looked at right. him and I said, there is no way that I'm going to do the same thing that my father did or my grandfather did. And, and so um, it, it's amazing, though, when my grandfather finally figured out that Jesus Christ really was who Jesus Christ really was for him, um, his life changed. His whole wow. personhood changed. And I yeah. think that that's one of the reasons why I got to know him in a very different way than my father did. Right. And, and and why I could appreciate him He's and love him kind of a changed man. Then yeah, then he yeah. did, then my dad did. Um but yeah, I I went up back home for a while and I said, God, no, I'm not going back. But God said, Yes, you are. And and so came back here being dragged almost literally, I think. <laughs> I, I think if God could have just taken me by the by the legs and dragged me to Winnipeg, I think he would have done it, right? Yeah. But 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 um, but willingly, though, um, I did come, and and so, um, but I was I was in a horrible place, and um, emotionally and even spiritually, I I was I was messed up, and I remember one time because after that, then I went to work because uh, in order for me to live here, um, I would I would still need to have. Um, money in order for me to to pay my rent, right? right. Um, my school would be paid for. My tuition at that time um, would have been paid for by um, by the Nora House yeah. uh, Indian Band, but um, but but my rent wouldn't be. So so I had to find a place to work and a place to live. So I did that, and I I found this position right away because i said to god okay god you're gonna have to find me a place to live and he did right away <laughs> and then and i said okay and you got to find me a place to uh, i need work right yeah. and so god gave me this job i, I really believe and so um and i was a waiter and the pay wasn't all that great but the tips were amazing nice. you know it was like yeah. wow and and so um <clears throat> but um but I still continued to 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 um, walk around in the days and and in a horrible way, and I kept praying and praying and praying that God would help me and show me, and and that really wasn't coming until one day, when I you know I my the, the uh, it changed hands the restaurant changed hands, and um, and the person who bought it didn't like me for whatever reason. And um, um, so, but I think I know what the reason is, but, hmm. uh, but anyway, um, and, and told me that I was, you know, no good and that I was sloppy and all, all, all kinds of stuff, right? Which I knew wasn't, yeah. 
true because I was a good worker. Yeah. I mean, I think that I wouldn't have gotten all of those really great tips, I think, if I was a bad, bad, bad waiter, right? Yeah. And and yeah. so um, so I so what I did was I was just going to quit again. And I told God, I said, that's it. I'm done, Lord. I am quitting and I'm going back to Norhouse. Forget about this. Forget about this ministry that you've called me into. I don't want to be a priest. I don't want to be living here in Winnipeg. This is horrible. And and you have abandoned me. And I remember being so angry at this. And and all of a sudden, <laughs> um, this man comes in, this old man comes in and um and sits down at one of my tables, because we had sections at that time, sits down at one of my tables, right? And I'm going, oh, yeah, okay, right. So, <clears throat> and so I go to him, and I, and, um, I said, what, can, can I get you some coffee? And he said, yes, please. And um, so I gave him his coffee, and um, um, I, I, I said, I'll give you time to look at the menu if you want. And he said, no, I just want to have coffee. And I thought, okay, good. And so I went back and worked, um, went to my other um, people that I was looking after. But he kept staring at me. And this made me very, very uncomfortable. And, and staring and staring and staring throughout the whole time he was sipping his coffee. And um, so I went back to him and I said, you know, I wasn't going to say anything to him. But I just, I just said, you know, do you want more coffee? Because I wanted to get rid of him as fast as possible. <laughs> right. I said, would you like more coffee? And he goes, no, 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 I'm, I'm good. Um, so I'm, I'm turning around. I said, okay. And then just to get his bill and I'm turning around and he says, he says, I don't know about you. Um, he says, but I've, I usually don't come around in these parts um, a lot. He says, so occasionally I, I'll come down here. He says, um, but I believe, he said, I, I, but God has sent me here. And I went, oh, you know, and he says, God has sent me here to tell you that you're doing a good job and that he cares about you. Wow. You know, and I just almost fell on my knees at that point And I went, really? Wow. Is that, is that absolutely right? And here I had been praying and yelling at God for abandoning me and, and thinking that, you know, this is, this is something that isn't, um, you know, that he's a part of, right? That he hasn't been in my life because he made me come down here. And, and, um, and now look at the situation I'm in. And then this man walks in and just tells me this, you know, and, um, and, and that was it. And then he, he puts his money in, on the table to pay for his, um, 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 his coffee. And I walk back to my, my station there. And, and I'm going, okay, you know, maybe I should thank him. As, you walk, as he's walking out the front door of, that, of the, of the um, restaurant. So I run to catch up to him. Because just but to catch up to him. And just as the door closes, I open it to say, hey, but he wasn't there. <laughs> and I'm going, because I looked, I mean, how is this possible that this person could just disappear? Right? I mean, he had a cane and everything, right? Yeah, yeah. And but he I, I saw him close the door. And as I'm opening it up, he wasn't there. 
right? And I'm looking around in the area and there was nobody there. And, um, and that was another experience. This is the God that I knew as a child, right? Yeah. This was the God that I had always sought. This is the God that I sought to have a relationship with. And I think from that moment on, um, I learned that whenever I come through um, a hard time or an adversity or something, you know, it, it doesn't mean that just because God is silent doesn't mean that God isn't there. Yeah. It doesn't mean that when you are in the midst of trouble and pain and sorrow and everything else, that does not mean that God is not there. God is very much there. And, and that, um, um, <clears throat> that, that God does show up. When, yeah, when you I, to your, show up, your, God shows up. Your story reminds me of the, the scripture, but, uh, you know, showing hospitality because, you know, in this way we've met angels, we've, you know, yeah. unawares yeah. and, uh, cause God, uh, yeah, God is there, and uh, he, he is so gracious to us that uh, kind of his ministry to us is kind of super abundant in these kinds of ways, even when it feels like, where yes. are you? <laughs> I, I'm a, I'm, I've been ready to scream at you, and, and there you are. Well, yeah, and I, you know, and I think uh, sometimes I think um, it's not because I think God hasn't heard us um, before, and, and, and it seems like that. Um, for like for some people, the only time they hear you is if you scream at them, right? And um, but but yeah. I think with God, I think He's heard you before. But I think it's it's us that need to hear ourselves screaming sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Right. Um, um, that perhaps we need to acknowledge that we are perhaps in need of His presence of 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 for for, for God to intervene in some way, and and and. Um, Expressing that even in anger, I think, is something that I think we need to, that, that this is something that we need to know. That, hey, I am angry. That's right. Yeah. You know, and, and, and I do need this. Yeah. You know, and, and even perhaps within that anger that I had, um, I had to acknowledge that I was, that I was in need, that I was up in a place that, that only God can lift me, could, could have lifted me out of. Yeah. And, and kept me and and so ever since that time i have moved into a place where okay god healing this is what you want from me and and so god has journeyed been in this journey with me throughout my time here in winnipeg to a place where <clears throat> where god has uh, has healed me in a lot of ways because of the, the way that i grew up up north and the relationships that I had up there, and um, and and all the wrong things that that had happened, um, to a place now where I can um, look at back at my past and not cry in horror, perhaps, or or even just cry, right? Yeah. Um, that that time, um, even then, you know, this God was still very much a part of my life. And, um, um, and, and, I, and the fact that I have met um, a lot of other um, Indigenous people uh, here in, in Winnipeg and throughout all over the place, because I mean, with this job, I go 
you know, from one corner of the diocese to the other corner. And, and through with my other, the other job that I had before, which was Mennonite Central Committee, all of Manitoba. And, um, you know, meeting these indigenous people who have gone through these horrible, horrible experiences, not only from their own painful from past within their own families, right, but from the past of the church and what the church had done to them and, and or allowed to happen to them, right? They still have this amazing, amazing grace to forgive and to go on. And, and the reason why that is that they have that grace is because they've been given that grace from God. And, and so is are able then to give um, some extent forgiveness um, towards the people who have hurt them and even to an institution. You know, yeah. people have said, well, you can't really forgive an institution. Well, yes, you can. Right. Yeah, right? you can. And, and, and the reason why, um, they can do that is because they know that it is not the church that that has led them. It is it is Christ who has brought them, and to where they are, and and just because perhaps maybe Christ has done it within this place that we call Anglicanism, um, it is still Christ who who leads, and and heals along the way, and 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 that's the, then that's why. This whole relationship, like I, as we were beginning at the very, very beginning, faith is in itself and believing in God is in itself doesn't really change a person. What changes a person is that relationship that you have in this God that you believe in, right? Yeah. And that, especially within, within our own um, uh, Christianity, um, it is Jesus that we believe in. And, and yeah. This, this person who continues to break through, um, you know, within our earth and our world um, as, as people and within our communities um, um, is, where we is where we have our faith. And, and it is that faith in him that continues to grow that faith, which continues to enable us to continue on and continue on and continue on because we have a knowledge of who it is that we walk with. Yeah. And, and, you know, um, I'm, I'm really struck by the way that you're kind of tying knowledge of God and knowledge of yourself together. There's a certain, I think St. Augustine uh, in his confessions, he kind of paints this beautiful picture of that, that as he came to know God, um, he found out that he was known by God mm. and by the end, was able to know himself as God knew him, right? And and that that healing of being known by love, if you will, um, kind of brought healing and brought kind of this ability to to write something like the Confessions, right? And to to be able to tell to tell his story without crying, as you put yeah. it so beautifully. Yeah, yeah. My, well, my grandfather always said that um, in, in this case, it was every time he he read the scripture. The more he read scripture, the more indigenous he became. Interesting. Right? Meaning that um, he started to get to know himself through the word of God and, and in the relationship that he had with this word of God and, and, and the word of God. Right. And, and so, yeah, absolutely. I think, I think that the more, the closer we are to God, the more um, we, we begin to know each other. 
one another and each other as well, but one, but ourselves specifically because um, God, <laughs> being being God, will will enlighten everything and every part of us, right? So how can we not not see who we are really, yeah. and and. Um, in, in all of our own beauty and in all of our own ugliness, right? That's right. But in yeah. all of that, God is still very much um, the Father, the Creator, the Son, the Holy Spirit, um, who who loves and and dances yes. in, in, uh, because of our being. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, uh, Vince. This has been really great. I we've taken up like an hour of your time today. Uh, before we go though, just in your role as, well, in any number of your roles with the diocese here, yeah. uh, could you just like share a couple things that you're really excited about in your work right now? Uh, any kind of projects that you're working on? Uh, anything that like you want kind of the broader church to be aware about? Just like, let us know what's what's firing you up and what, what you wanna share. Yeah, well, there's a there's a lot of things that it, actually everything has been put on hold because of this COVID situation, and, and this pandemic has has uh, done major things to all ministries, not just mine. Um, but um, over the next little while, um, I'm hoping that we may begin to see um, places where we can connect, not only. Uh, um, as Epiphany people, who people who go to Epiphany, but more broadly with the rest of the diocese, right? Like Epiphany has been blessed uh, by the diocese, and so we believe the congregation believes that it's you know we also need to bless the diocese. So the diocese has been a mission to us. Now we're going to be a mission to the diocese, and so um, we, we would like to continue building relationship working on reconciliation work and 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 that means relationship 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 and building and so um so that those are the kinds of things that we want to do we want to have um services together with with any other congregation who wants to have a service with us together and and maybe uh and we're also having we had started um doing those that kind of work already but then like again, I said the pandemic came along, yeah. but we want to continue to do that when it is safe for us to do that. Um, the other thing that I really love doing is teaching. Um, I love talking about Jesus, and I love talking about where I am um, with with God. Um, but I also like like talking uh, about um, letting people know the history uh, of the church. Um, especially when it comes to indigenous peoples, right? It's a very yeah. tough and ugly history sometimes. Yeah. But it also has been um, um, a good history in a lot of ways. Otherwise, I don't think I would be here, and a lot of other indigenous people certainly wouldn't be here either, right? Um, but I think we need to we need to look at our own history and and see. Um, perhaps where our own, uh, that is as Anglicans, our own um, misconceptions are, uh, maybe our own prejudices, because um, we all have those. doesn't matter. You know, we all do. And yeah. I include myself in that as well. So um, 
so those kinds of things I think are really important for us to look at. And the freedom, can you imagine the freedom in that? You know, the freedom yeah. not only to look at that, but the freedom to deal with it and, and to come out on the other side of that. Just a tremendous freedom that the people of God can have in, in, in wrestling with racism and, and, and um, um, prejudice and all kinds of other things. You know, I, yeah, I, for I, me, that would be, man, that would be something. I, I went to a talk that uh, Murray Sinclair gave once uh, at CMU and, and he, somebody asked him, like, what is reconciliation to you? And he said, oh, it's just this question. Can you be my friend? And like the light bulb came on in my head of like, oh, of course, that's what it is. But then exactly what you've been saying, how kind of freeing that is, because there's so many things that uh, get everybody kind of like uptight and there's shame and there's guilt and there's hard histories and all of these things. And uh, but kind of asking that question kind of gives the the opportunity to start kind of working through some of those things and absolutely letting absolutely. them go so that they quit kind of driving us apart, you know? Yes, absolutely. And Oh, um, just in case you, you, one of your listeners are, uh, have been hit by something that, that might, that I may have said going, Oh, well, yeah. You know, um, one of the things that I think that I would love to have is, is an ally. And, and I do have these in, in, um, um, within, within the work that I do, but they're different in, in what they do. What I would like to have is someone who can be an ally who will work with the non-Indigenous peoples on, on how to be one, right? On mm -hmm. how to uh, talk about issues that only non-Indigenous people can talk about without an Indigenous person necessarily being there. You know what right. I mean? Yeah, and yeah. I, and I, if if there is someone out there who'd like to take on that ministry, oh man, I'd love to talk to you. And um, um, it's something that we were going to start uh, already, <clears throat> like again with the COVID thing. But the person who was supposed to have started that um, is now doing something else, and is not able to to do that ministry that we wanted. But um, but if you're one of those people that you feel God is is calling you to be an ally and to talk to. Um, other non-indigenous people about all the really tough things um, about reconciliation um, you know call me well you heard it here folks uh, give Vince a call <laughs> and uh, sign up to be an ally uh, so that we can keep on with well, this we just good reconciliation person, work not, not, okay <laughs> well first come first serve then yeah, yeah. Well, to lead other allies right yeah there you go. Yes. Uh, well, thank you so much for giving us your time today, Vince, and um, blessings yes. to you as, as you go out from this place. And um, I'll hopefully talk to you again soon. Okay. Thank you, Ryan. Thanks for listening. You can listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you liked what you heard today, please leave a review and rating on iTunes and tell your friends.